It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much to tune in to Counterculture. Yes, I'm your host, Jonathan Sanborn. You know, Counterculture, Just for those of you just tuning in for the first time, Counterculture is really about living like Jesus in a counterculture way. And we, we like to highlight the people who have gone maybe against sort of the streams of culture and in, in ways, instead of the ways that are so divisive and tearing things down, we focus on the builders in our culture, the people who are building up compassion, building peacemaking, and really just building our culture. That's who we want to highlight. And I get the opportunity every, every week to reach out to some of the best people in our state, even around the country, and hear their stories. And actually, we have on the phone today a builder himself – Tom Lewis. Welcome, Tom. Hey, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you so much for being on our show today. You know, Tom is the owner and founder of the T.W. Lewis Company. They're one of the premier home builders in Arizona. He's also the uh, founder, I mean, the owner, or I guess the founder of the the T.W. Lewis Foundation. And really, he's just had an amazing life. I'm really uh, so thankful. I actually had the privilege of reading his book, Solid Ground, a foundation for winning in work and in life, and gotten. To, I feel like I already know him. So, Tom, thank you again for being on this show. Well, thank you for uh, giving me a chance. And so, why don't we just, you know, I our, we like our viewers to get to know our our the people who who are on our show just a little bit. So, what is something about yourself that's maybe a little surprising that? Well, I, I could probably give a few examples from your book, but you, you give a lot of good personal examples in the, at the start of your book and your, your, bi, your mm-hmm. uh, biography. So maybe something yeah. your viewers don't know that surprised people that they didn't know about you. Yeah. Well, I would, would say uh, I'm a seventh-generation Kentuckian seventh and, a generation. Of, and a descendant of Daniel Boone. Oh, my goodness. That's right. Daniel Boone was one of my heroes growing up. He has a show on uh, the Disney back in the 60s yeah. and 50s, 60s, a hero of mine. Wow, that's yeah. so Kentucky. But then you ended up in Arizona. Yeah, we've been here 40 years now. 40 years. Oh, my goodness. Do you ever said, what? did you make a mistake coming out to the desert and you could be in the rolling hills of Kentucky? <clears throat> well, you know, I got here at a good time and um, was fortunate to to experience a very big uh, housing boom, which uh, we were able to be a part of. Uh, so I have to thank my lucky stars for that. Yeah. Arizona's been good to us. Well, that's for sure. You really came in. And, and so your your company is, has built, I mean, thousands of homes. Is that correct? I think we built about 6,000 houses in over 20 years. That's amazing. That's a huge legacy. And these aren't just like simple track homes. You, you've been like, these are high-end, great homes that have put a lot of people and families in great homes. <clears throat> yeah. And we differentiate ourselves by focusing on quality and customer satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were doing that before that was popular. Right. So, <laughs> and you didn't always, in your biography, you talked about working for other companies who maybe didn't always share those same values. So you must have learned a lot of lessons looking, working for other yeah, people. Yeah, you know, I, like we all do, in, in some of my first jobs, I learned a lot of things to do and a number of things not to do. Yeah. And uh, both are equally important. 
Well, that's for sure. <laughs> that is very for sure. I, um, what is something that, like, when you feel like, you're, as a Christian man, what is something that makes you want, like, as you say, this is what makes a Christian home? Like, a, I, I want my Christian values to reflect in the home I build. Yeah, boy, that's that's a tough question, but I, I guess you just have to to be more like Jesus, you know, yeah. and kind of do what you know. What would Jesus do, kind yeah. of thing? And um, but I think it's really coming from a a, a Christian worldview, and that uh, you know we are here on this earth for a temporary amount of time. This earth was created by God. We're made in the image of God, and we should we should act like it. And we should behave like it, and we should treat others, all others, as as fellow human beings. And, uh, now, you and that, that was the way Jesus behaved, and I think that's the that's the model for us. As I say in my book, there is no better role model. Yes, and I, Jesus himself was a carpenter. So I imagine if you bought a house from Jesus, it probably wouldn't have been a piece of junk, you know? <laughs> it would have been quality. It would show some sense of the character of God and the quality, and that he did it in a loving way, and he treated his workers well. And it, that was something that impressed me, is the way, the way you lived out an ethic in your business of quality and customer service and valuing the people you worked with. I just was very impressed by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did that uh first of all, because it was the right thing to do. <clears throat> but it was also good business, you know, to, to treat your trade contractors and, and your associates with with respect. Uh, uh, it, it, it is the right thing to do, but it does pay dividends. And uh, I think people appreciate that, and they recognize that. Well, that's absolutely. You can just tell that if you shop for a home and you see things that are done really cheaply or maybe the people aren't happy to be there who work there. Uh, and I think that that's really that says a lot about the the character of your company. And so, you had a long career uh, building homes and, and 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 growth, and you were here during the boom t- uh, the boom time in Arizona. And still, we kind of are still in one, aren't we? Yeah, not not like it was back in uh, two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six. This is this is a about half that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if you were in the middle of it, I'm sure you knew all about that was going on. So, so you were at a point where you had this successful uh, housing c- company, and in a sense, many, most of the things that seems that the world would want, like of uh, financial success, you know, professional success, family. Yet there was there was a point where things started to break down for you, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tell the story in the book. I mean, I'm very transparent about this and, and proud of it, actually. But um, when I was in my early 50s, we had achieved uh, uh, the, the the designation as America's Best Builder. Wow. We'd been, we'd been extremely pop, uh, profitable for 10, the last 10 years. And uh, our oldest son went away to college. And, and I got depressed. You know, I just mm. I just felt like, wow, you know, something's missing here. This is I've been climbing this mountain my whole life, but the view is not what I thought it was. Mm. <clears throat> and there was there was something missing. And uh, uh, and then I soon found out that I had cancer. Oh, my and, goodness. Um, and that really got my attention. And then I uh, really reconnected with with Christ and uh, established my personal relationship with him. 
and uh, things began to get better. I, I became cured of cancer, and uh, amazing. My uh, my commitment to, to Christ increased, and and the world made a lot more sense to me. So, so, so I've been a happier person ever since. So you really a view as like coming to Christ was really a change in your happiness. So what? Yet you were happy. You were happy before by the world standards, but then coming to Christ changed what that happiness looked like. Help me think. That, what does that mean to you? Tell me a little more about that. Well, I guess it comes down to purpose. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. when you and when, when I hear uh, high school and college students talking about finding their their purpose, yeah, I have to laugh because uh, you know you you know I chased mine pretty hard. I'd say. Mo- harder than most but um you can't find it when you're young like that you have to experience life in your own way on your own path Mm -hmm. and then you learn your own lessons and ultimately you come to your purpose but it takes a while and and it's uh, you know it's it's different from your passion you know my passion was was uh, football and basketball but i wasn't big enough or fast enough to for that to be my purpose so but uh, you know, I was, I, I was a skilled business person. I was able to to make things happen in business and run, run a profitable, successful company and generate a lot of excess wealth. And then the question was, what, what do you do with that? Right. And uh, it became clear to me that, you know, I was given those gifts from God uh, for a purpose. And that purpose really was to was to support and help other people with that. Wow. And so. You know, it's not my wealth, it's his wealth, and, and he had prepared me to have it and then act on it. Yes. So, so that made a lot of sense to me. It, it, it was a, certainly a noble ideal. It was uh, came from, from I think, a conversation I had with God, and uh, or it felt like it. And uh, so it makes complete sense to me. And uh, so I, I feel comfortable with my purpose. And... Uh, well, that's huge, yeah. and, a, and a lot of people don't have that. I think they're told some. I think you use the word myths a lot. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and like, and you in your book you do talk about maybe false myths that our culture often tells people, and you contrast that with a more of a biblical way of thinking about truth. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, there's truth, and then there's myths. And yeah, there's, there's untruth, and uh, unfortunately, today our culture is promulgating a lot of things that are just not true. And uh, I call those myths. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, the, the first one is, and I, I outlined 10 of them along with their corresponding truths, but the first one, which is, I'd say, the most prevalent, is following your passion and doing what you love is the key to success and happiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that, that encourages, you know, people to just, do what makes you feel good in the moment, uh, and and everything will work out, and you'll be successful and happy. Just focus on yourself, okay? Right. Well, the the, the truth is that is that is uh, it is not the case. That first of all, success and happiness are two different things. Success is is a result of talent, hard work, and persistence. There is no easy button. Right. And right. happiness uh, occurs naturally when you help others have gratitude and grow as a person. So you, know, you got to get your definitions right. So that, that's myth number one, and there's, there's nine more. <laughs> that's great. And that is such a key, and that, that alone is worth 
I mean, the book just to talk about because that that is such a key value. And it's and it's not a hundred percent wrong that what you're passionate about doesn't. It's not like that doesn't matter, but it's that is not the path to necessarily to success and happiness. And I think that to me, it's, some people disregard all passion and and say it's all about this, but other people say that all you all that matters is just you need to follow your follow your dreams. Like every kid's television show <laughs> tells kids to follow their dreams and, yeah, and Disney. And, have, and, and when you're 18 or even 25. How do you even know what your dreams are? You know, right. when I think of the word passion, I think of the passion of Christ. And the word passion comes from the Greek word pathos, mm-hmm. which means suffering. So the, if you think about your children and how much you love them and how much you've suffered for them, you understand the word passion. Once you've raised children, you have passion for your children and you understand passion. But when you're 19 years old and you just, uh, and, and you enjoy playing the flute, you know, and you think you're, and somebody's t- asking you 10 times a day what your passion is, and you tell them playing the flute. Yes. That you're, you're kidding yourself. Yeah. You know? uh, so anyway, I just think, I mean, some people don't really want to hear that, but, yeah. um, <clears throat> but, but passion comes at the end, not at the beginning. That's what I've learned. Yes. And so you, you talk start a- with passion, with pa- you uh-huh. end with passion. So there's an old, you know, I've been a, a student and even a teacher of biblical worldview around the world, and and this, these are these are th- ideas that are really close to my heart. And one of the other ones that you mentioned, in I think it was of the ten, con- was the idea of a work ethic. And tell me what that means to you, like a strong, like biblical work ethic. Well, um, one of the myths I talk about is this idea of work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. And, and that is kind of saying to people, not only do you just need to focus on yourself and make yourself happy, but don't work too hard, just work smarter. And, and that, that kind of rationalizes the fundamental uh, necessity of working hard. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> to me, it's like going to school. If you just go to class, you, get, you probably get a C. If you go to class and just do your homework, you probably get a B. Yes. But to get an A... In, in school, you have to go to class, do your homework, and then do extra work. And that's how you get an A. That's, mm-hmm. Well, in work, it's the same way. If you put in your hours 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, you get a C. You know, if you if you work an extra 10 hours, you might get a B. And if you work 60 hours or more, you'll probably get an A <laughs> in your job. That's right. And, uh, and so... You, you really just got to put in the time. I mean, there's no shortcut. I mean, the work is never done no matter what you do. There's always more to do. And the question is, what are you, how much are you satisfied with? And uh, so te- teaching people that you know, to work smarter, not harder, is really encouraging them to fail. That's um, a great and observation. And, and, and yeah. it's harmful. It's, it's yeah. not just untrue. It's harmful yeah. to people. That we can coast by or something. Yeah. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. We have Tom Lewis um, uh, on the on the line with us talking about his new book, Solid Ground: A Foundation for Winning in Work and in Life. Tom, you know, I another thing I just loved about the book is that uh, you were very you're, like you mentioned, you're very honest in it, and you you talk about you didn't just come son of a millionaire 
had everything easy and handed to you. You came from a maybe a, a, a tougher, uh, harder background. Can you tell us a little more about that? <clears throat> well, you know, my, my family was middle class. Uh, my ancestors were had been very successful people. Uh, <clears throat> my dad was unfortunate in that when he was 24 years old, uh, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, mm. and and his his course in life was pretty much set. Um, he joined the Navy, became mm-hmm. a career Navy officer, and really never uh, liked that. And uh, so, you know, my dad had some alcohol problems, mm. and uh, that that uh, created kind of a tough family life. Uh, to offset that, though, <clears throat> I, I had a an incredible mother and uh, very close to her. And uh, so, you know, it was not ideal, but it was not bad, really. But, but there, was, there was enough adversity in there that uh, for me to, to get my feet on my on the ground pretty quickly. And, and I, you know, and I could see the, the, the drive that I had uh, to succeed because I needed to. So were you, so that's a great question. You needed to because of the, where your father was, his, his <clears throat> personal journey, or was it something well, else that was driving you? Well, I think, uh, as I mentioned in the book, I really, in hindsight, uh, believe that uh, my mission was, uh, when I got out of college, it was really to restore both wealth and dignity to my family. Mm. You know, and I, I really think that's what was driving me. And then when I reached that, that's when I felt hollow. Huh. I felt like, well, okay, I can check that box, but that's not enough. I mean, there's there's got to be more. You know. Uh, so, but anyway, it, it, you know, one other thing I'll say. <clears throat> Writing a book about your own life and the principles you've mm. learned in your life is a very healing thing to do. Interesting. It's hard. Uh-huh. It's hard. Uh-huh. But it, it forces you to look back at yourself as an objective bystander, see what what happened, what influenced you, and how you reacted to it. And at the end of the day, it's a very comforting feeling to to, to, to know who you are and how you got where you are. I I recommend it. That's a great observation. Tell me what, is there one thing that stood out to you that you you learned about yourself, even when taking this like extended time to write a book? Well, I think by going through all the steps, Mm -hmm. you know, there's five chapters on my life. The first one is understanding my roots. I take a deep dive into my ancestors and and my grandparents and, and my parents and really draw from that kind of what I learned from from all that and, and the closeness of family and, uh, and and the respect for my ancestors, honestly. And then I get into my education and high school, college, grad mm-hmm. school, all the different role models and mentors and friends that I had just continue to learn and grow and be open to experience. And then I then I started my career. And I, I worked in seven or eight different states for five or six different companies and six or eight different executives. And I learned a lot. I mean, I learned a lot and, and I, I learned it fast. And uh, so by the time I was 40, I was in a position to start my own company. Mm-hmm. And then I built a company and I went through all the pieces of that. And so by just going back and kind of looking at, you know, phase by phase of your life, what were the, what were the big things that happened and, and uh, how did you respond to it? And what were you, what were you thinking? And, and, and and come you know confess some of your mistakes you made and, 
and realize that you're not perfect. And yes. So anyway, it's just kind of a comforting thing because so many people, I think, it's easy to walk around this earth and not know who you are, hmm. you know? And, and it, 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 it's not an easy thing to figure out. And not everybody is that reflective. You know, you can spend all day on social media and watching television and, and, and hanging out with your friends. Right. And you, and you really and you really don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. And then you get married, and then, you know, things get more serious, yeah. and then you begin to find out who you are. <laughs> They'll find you know? out who you are when no one's yeah. watching. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, so having been through all that, I just think that it's a good feeling to know who you are, but you really don't, you can't find that out until you put yourself uh, up against adversity. Mm-hmm. And adversity is, is such a good thing because and that's another myth that is out there is that, uh, you know, adversity is, is bad, so avoid risk. Well, mm. the truth, the truth of the matter is it goes like this, and this is my advice, try something hard. Mm. fail, get back up, try it again, repeat. Ultimately, what will happen is you continue to try hard things and fail, is you will get better. Yes, Your resilience will increase, your self-confidence will increase, and your self-esteem will increase. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants to get their self-esteem up, and they think they can read a book about self-esteem and, and start talking to themselves about how great they are, well, that that doesn't work. You've got to earn it. So the more you can do things that that you respect, the more respect you will have for the man or woman in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And that's where your self-esteem comes from. No one else. And I do think, how does, like, I, I think God created all of us in his, God has created all of us in his image. And sometimes we don't know just how amazing that is, but it's a journey to discover how God designed us and and the purposes that he called us to. So what sense does God's word shape the sense of your purpose? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> you know, I think about uh, in the New Testament <clears throat> how, how Christ emphasized it was our responsibility to serve the poor. Mm-hmm. And really how he uh, led his life uh, in such a way that he, he really honored all people, mm-hmm. you know. And and although he was not a pushover, you know, at, at by any means, he was no, you know, uh, he, had a, he had a strong backbone. But <clears throat> he conducted himself in a way that was very respectful and, and honored other people as human beings. And so... You know, the Bible has got so many lessons in it. I mean, the Ten Commandments uh, are the best rules of life. Yes. It's, uh, as complicated as life is, it's pretty, it's pretty much all right there. If you could come up with ten, uh, ten rules for life, for leading a, a happy and good life, Yes. read the Ten Commandments uh, yeah. and, and, and understand them. Dennis Prager, by the way, wrote a, a book on the Ten Commandments where he breaks them down and explains them. And uh, the name of the book is The Ten Commandments. Oh, okay. Still the best, uh, still the best guide, life, rules for life or something like that. Well, <clears throat> but, um, well when God uh, revealed those to Moses, he, he meant them for all people, and it's, I'm glad we still have those today to guide us. So as you know, as yeah. something, uh, if there's something that we're, as we wrap up our show, is there something you would want to leave with our listeners 
to really encourage them in their life to maybe rethink what they might have thought about success? Well, um, you know, building a life and building a life of success is not that different than building a house. Mm -hmm. And you first have to start with a solid foundation, you know, and if you have a bad foundation, nothing else is going to matter. And that foundation really starts with personal character. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't want to talk about personal character because they think it's uh, some kind of uh, Christian uh, uh, imposition on them, um, telling them how they should live. But, but, But we all know what's right and what's wrong. And it's good to get clear on what you really believe. But you have to, you know, the, the principles I lay out in the book for a foundation are personal character, hard work, goal setting, self-awareness, and helping other people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and those are the big rocks, the things that really build, that you can build a life on. Those are habits <clears throat> that you first have to develop uh, as, a, as a young person or as a young adult. And then after that, now you're in a position to win. <clears throat> so you've got to start working on some of the more nuanced issues like uh, reaching your potential, um, finding your talent, um, making good decisions, taking smart risk, and managing your career. Tom, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for calling in. And if you haven't uh, catched us, his book is Solid Ground, A Foundation for Winning in Work and Life. Thank you again, Tom. Appreciate you. Thank you. And you can find that book on Amazon. Thanks. God bless. Take care. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal.